radioinfluence.com. Welcome back to Live Bold and Boss Up, everyone. Um, we are really honored to have Tom Wallace um, as a guest on our show today. Um, you know, he's he's an angel investor. He's a serial entrepreneur. We don't really think he needs much of an introduction. We want to talk about all of your successes. Um, but but welcome and thank you for being here, Tom. We really appreciate it. Well, thank thank you, Ash, Ashley and Stephanie. I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for having me on your show. And I'm very excited to spend some time with you guys. Yeah, yeah. me too. And we were just on your podcast. You were. So that was fun. It was a lot of fun. And it's nice to have you in our office now recording for Live Bold and Boss Up. Yeah, just plug in your next step, you guys, uh, next path. I'm sorry. Your offices are awesome. I really like them. Very cool. Very hip. Love the Thank vibe. You. Thank you. Love Nitro. Nitro's the dog. Shout yeah. out to little Nitro. <laughs> and shout out to Buddy, right? That's yeah. your dog because yeah. you have an office dog as well. I do. I do. Yeah. Love oh, office dogs. I yeah. Know. They really like, it's so funny seeing everyone walk in and instead of saying, oh, good morning, everyone. They're like, they get their puppy voice, going, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, hey. It's just so cute to see that, yeah. you know, that difference in everyone. No, I yeah. love it. So just to jump right in, you built a lot of companies. Which one is it that gave you the most satisfaction creating? Well, that's a tough question. Uh, I, I would say probably the, the first company we started. And uh, I say we because I've had the great fortune of being in business with my best friend my entire career. And we were 23 when we started our first, you know, how many people get to work <laughs> for three decades with their best friend right. and go to work every day? Um, we started our first company at the age of 23 and uh, we had no idea what we were doing. I mean, we were so green, so naive, so stupid. We made, <laughs> we made every mistake uh, you could possibly make. But one thing I've learned through through this journey and, uh, you know, I think all, all entrepreneurs would, or most entrepreneurs, most people would agree with, you learn a lot more from your mistakes and your failures than you do successes. In fact, I don't even think success is a very good teacher, um, but failure is a wonderful teacher. So we started that from scratch. We had no money. Uh, we put in $5,000 each and we just bootstrapped it and we ended up hiring all our friends and family. And And it was, uh, I don't know if it was creative because it was the dawning of the microcomputer industry and the personal computer industry. So we got caught up in this revolution that you know just swept the world, really. I mean, up until that time, the only people that had access to computers were you know, big corporations or universities. And now, you know, with the Apple II and then in 81, IBM introduced the PC. Now every home could have a computer and every small business could. And so it was really game changing. It was just an exciting time. And so it was so much fun. Was that Weldeck? Yeah. Yeah. That was the original Weldeck. That was um, Dan's guess yeah. that you were going to say. Yeah. 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 Had you always wanted to be an entrepreneur and start your own company? No, I no, I can't say that. So I grew up in a, a blue collar family. Neither of my parents graduated from high school. Um, so I was never, I didn't know any entrepreneurs growing up. I really didn't even know what it was. Um, but what I did see, my father worked for the same, same company. He was a union guy for 42 years. And I remember after 42 years, he retired and they gave him this silver letter opener and said, his name's Walter Wally, you know, Wally Wallace, thanks for 42 years of service. And I was like, I don't know, dad, you know, 42 years. I mean, he was very appreciative. He's a very grateful guy. He thought it was awesome. I was like, mm, I don't know, you know, I got to find a different way. And, and what I would tell you is that uh, myself and, and again, my best friend, the one thing we always shared was this love of adventure. 
So we, we were always going on ski trips and mountain climbing and, you know, driving across the country in a Volkswagen van and sleeping and, you know, and, you know, and doing, you know, sleeping in the van and, you know, we had no money, but we, it never held us back. We were always doing stuff like that. And to me, entrepreneurship was just an extension of that adventure. Right. Like the safe, secure, plain it safe was never of interest to me. It just didn't really. So I would say that's the part of entrepreneurship that I guess was always just in my DNA. Yeah. I love that explanation because I don't, you know, everyone has their own angle on that, but that really paints the picture of like how that started for you with your dad opening that letter. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. And I remember when I I only had, he says, my father says I only had one real job in my life. So when I got out of college, I worked for Alcoa, which was a fortune 500 company for two years. And when I left them to start, uh, this first business Waldeck, my father was like, what in God's name are you doing? You have this great paying job, all these benefits that you travel everywhere. They pay for everything. They're going to pay for you to get a master's. Well, like, why would you leave this? Right. He just couldn't fathom it. Yeah. And then years later when we, we sold the business, he was like, and he came to work for me actually 30, oh, really? like 25 years later after he retired. And he was like, you were so smart to do this. Oh, that's nice that he kind of came back around and was like, okay, you, you were right. Yeah, well, I sold, we sold that first business. I was just turned 30 and I got a check for over a million dollars, which a million dollars was a lot more money back then than it is today. Mm-hmm. And my father had ever made probably more than $45,000 a year in his entire life. And I remember showing him that check and he was like, oh my God, I can't, I can't believe this. Is this real? Did you rob yeah. the bank? What happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How many companies have you built? Well, I mean, I think pretty much did one a decade for about three decades. But in between there, there were some other ones that, you know, I was part of building or, you know, and they weren't all successful. I mean, I, again, failure was a great teacher. We did a business back in, when was this? Uh, probably 97. We sold a business. I did a company in voiceover IP. And this was back on the very, 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 very early stages of voiceover IP. And Cisco introduced this voiceover IP product and I had a very strong relationship with Cisco. I'd done business with them for many years. And I knew that, you know, we could see the VoIP, as it was called, was just going to blow up, right? And this is where really networks were going, especially phone systems inside of companies were all going to go VoIP. So they're using, you know, using the using Wi-Fi and the internet. And, you know, we were just ahead of the game. And so Cisco announced this product. We built a company around it. We started putting it in, installing it. It didn't work. It was just, it was a nightmare. And we stayed at it for a year and we worked with Cisco engineers and trying to work the bugs out. And we just finally, after a year, we're like, and, and we, it was good. We did shut it down because that, that, that technology really didn't become mainstay for another three or four years. Mm-hmm. So learn valuable lesson there. Timing's very important in, 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 in all businesses and especially technology. Right. Right. That, um, that actually reminds me, uh, speaking of technology, we were reflecting on the podcast we did for your podcast, the recording we did for your mm-hmm. podcast. And you mentioned to us about technology and AI. And if you, if you feel like, or if we feel like threatened by it, right. Because it might replace staffing. Um, so I wanted to like bounce that back to you and and see what you thought about AI and, and, you know, kind of how you feel about it and what do you think it's going to replace? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, of all the emerging technologies, blockchain and, uh, augmented virtual reality and 3D printing and autonomous vehicles and all these emerging technologies, 5G, they're coming on board at one time. The one that I think is really going to be the most powerful and affect everything is artificial intelligence. And um, 
I, I don't know. I mean, all the over the years I've been doing this, every year, every time some new tech game-changing technology came out, everybody was like, oh, this is going to replace so many jobs. And it did just the opposite. It created jobs. Right. This is the one time I think that may finally come true. Uh, I was in Israel two years ago and uh, I saw, you know, AI software that read MRIs and 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 really could and, and it's, it's machine learning. So every time it reads an MRI, it gets smarter. And then it's searching the internet every night, every night, getting all the latest research on what's happening in MRI. Interesting. And, and, and I mean, what do you need a radiologist for? Right. You know, so, that and it's, you point. know, people think of it, I mean, like, for example, uh, in my last business, we did online training and education, and we did it in all these different vertical markets. And one of one, the ones we looked at were truck drivers, because we did policemen, and we did firefighters, and we did all this. And we looked at, you know, there's a shortage of a million truck drivers in America today. Five years out, we're not going to need truck drivers. Trucks yeah. are going to be driving themselves. That's what I was looking at. You know, at. so AI is definitely going to replace, in combined combine with other technologies, some jobs. It's going to create jobs, too. Mm-hmm. So it's just, you know, this is the one. And, um, you know, Musk has talked about this. Gates has talked about it. Dorsey's talked about it. it it's hard to say. I mean, I can't predict that and how long it's going to take. But... I, I do think it's going to be just um, really revolutionary. Right. I just, I don't feel like they're, it's going to be able to learn culture and like really, you know, really. Well, I would, I would agree with that because yeah. culture is about emotion, right? right. That, that, that is never going to be replaced by computers right. and AI technology, in my opinion. Right. I mean, that's not something that, 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 um, AI is going to really get her. It's going to take a long time. Right. right. It, yeah. If it does get it, it'll be a long time. Yeah. Right? I, yeah. That's yeah. interesting. It'll be but sweet. I can see a bot chat where you're chatting in the, in the, in the AI, the bot chat is picking up on your tone of inflection and how you're talking and having some idea what the emotion is. Like yeah. maybe I'm contradicting myself there. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting because it could go in any sort of direction. Yeah. I'm hoping that like us as human beings, we still, want to have some sort of human component to, to it, you know, and not just completely phase out jobs and replace everyone. With. Well, no, I, I agree. And I think there's always going to be that human element that the machines can't, can't replace. And, you know, and certainly like what you guys do in the relationships and sales and, and uh, you know, I don't ever see, will it handle some of more and more of the tasks that you do on the back end? Sure. But I don't mm-hmm. see it ever re- that. Right. Right. Hope not. Right. Yeah. And especially or we're those, really in trouble. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we're all in trouble. All those extroverted people who get energized from being around other people. I don't think they would let that happen either. Right. Like yeah. I love being around yeah. people. Yeah. Same, you know, Yeah. very true. So now that you've created Florida funders, tell the listeners what is high level and what inspired you to create it? Well, I didn't create Florida Funders. I want to give credit where credit's due. David Chittister started Florida Funders and I've known Dave for years. He had spent, and he, what he did was, and Dave's very good at this, he looked at crowdfunding when it was just nascent and said, hey, this is, this is really going to become something. And I, I want to build something that takes advantage of crowdfunding. And he spent about two years, a year and a half at it or so before I got involved with Mark Blumenthal, one of my partners, or my partner, or one of one of the partners of Florida Funders, and we kind of like he was out of money and he needed help. And I said, Mark, if you're willing to invest, I'll invest. And but we got to run the business, and because I my experience with Dave is he's great at starting things, maybe not the best person to run them. And so 
we made the investment, then we took it over and we call Florida Funders 2.0. So it was, a, we didn't create it, okay. um, but we did morph it and change it a great deal because we started out as just a crowdfunding platform for early stage tech companies. Right. Now we had been angel investing for you know 20 years, both Mark and I, and um, we looked and said, hey, you know, we've, we've and, and the other thing we've been doing for 20 years was trying to change the Florida tech ecosystem and grow it and, and help it flourish. And we were involved in the early days of the Tampa Technology Forum. It was all about, hey, let's let's change Florida. And, you know, you know our tagline at, at Florida Funders, I think you do, is 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 Sunshine State, the startup state. And, you know, we, we have so much potential in this state. But to do that and build a tech ecosystem, it always comes down to two things, and that's talent and capital. And one thing that was missing um, in Florida was early stage technology capital. So if you start a company here, a lot of entrepreneurs would start companies here and then to go off to Silicon Valley or Austin or wherever the money was. And we're like, we got to change that narrative. And uh, this is an opportunity to do this with this crowdfunding because we have tremendous wealth in this state. We have we have the third num- third highest number of accredited investors in the country, only behind New York and California. But our accredited investors didn't make their wealth typically in technology, so they're not prone to angel investing in early stage tech. They made their their wealth in insurance or real estate or construction or hospitality or you know you know and all these other industries. So we, that's 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 what got us excited about that we really could help move the needle and 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 accelerate the growth of Florida as a tech ecosystem. And that's why why we got involved, and that's what we've been on a mission to do ever since. That's right. awesome. I love the sunshine state to startup state. Right. And that's a good, thank you. Good line. So can you share with us um, maybe some companies that are in your portfolio that you're excited about? Sure. Oh, there's so many of them because um, <laughs> we have uh, 80 companies, in our portfolio now, but yeah. a couple of recent ones that, you know, I'm, I'm very excited about style lust, which is S T Y L U S T, which is an online tech shopping started by a female. We love oh, female founders, cool. Melissa Bridgeford. Melissa is a, um, grew up in Clearwater, went to UF, then went to Harvard, very bright, impressive awesome. uh, woman. And she started this site and you can take a picture of anything, text it to stylist and, uh, it'll shoot. It's actually easier shopping on stylist than Amazon. It's frictionless. Really? Is that the one where, okay. You, if you see something, I think we talked about this last time we were mm-hmm. together, you see something you like, you take a picture of it and then you can figure out where to get it. Yep. Right. Where well, they'll, they'll just shoot back to you. Here's the price. You want it. You and just you can buy it. You say that? yes. And then shows up two or three days later. Right now, the, the only thing that makes it a little bit, it's definitely easier to use than Amazon. Um, the only thing that makes it, 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 it doesn't show up the next day, you know, Bezos right. has that down or two days later. So it, it may take a little longer. Sometimes it shows up that quickly, but, um, but it also find very obscure things. For example, my girlfriend, who's uh, uh, very much into fashion, was looking for these vintage Gucci, Gucci boots that were from like, they quit making 10 years ago. And she took a picture of uh, and found the picture sent to them and they found these boots. Wow. Yeah. So they can find pretty obscure things and they're using AI there. Some of it right now is manual, but they're trying to automate more and more of that. So that's one company that's we're cool. really excited. Like we're really excited about e-commerce companies coming out of COVID okay. because anything that can help with the whole, the whole, um, uh, everything's accelerated to e-commerce, you know, because of COVID. I think we all see it. Everybody's right. doing everything online. People that would never use Instacart are using Instacart now because they can't leave their house or they don't want to go to the grocery store, as an right. example. But another company is Hellsnap, which is uh, um, uh, 
it, it's a telehealth telemedicine company out of Miami. The technology came out of the University of Miami. Um, we're very excited about the company because they do remote remote monitor remote monitoring. Uh, so, but for people that have chronic diseases, so they're at, they're device agnostic. You can use an Apple Watch. You can use a Fitbit. They have all these. It doesn't matter what device it is, it, and uh, it allows the doc, the physician, and the hospital to monitor the person's uh, vital signs and um, their activity, and you know, so it's uh, it's is it's really uh, cool what they're doing, and it's it's the ROI is uh, very impressive in that because it drives down readmission rates, helps you know. We all know the two biggest problems in America, the two biggest industries that are broken are healthcare and K-12 education. Right. And so we love solutions in, in those markets. So we're excited about that company as well. Side note, speaking of K-12 education, um, you're on the board of Pick My Kid, and we use that that software for our school. Oh, you do? And um, so when I saw that, I was like, oh, I need to bring that up to you because it's great. It's super easy to use. It works really well. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. I'm glad to hear that. That's uh, Pat. Uh, Pat Bob, I was the, the founder of that company. I am not on the board anymore of that company. And, and actually we exited that, that company. We sold our investment in it. We did pretty well on it. And obviously we wish Pat all the best and hope he continues to do well with that product. Yeah, that's great. What do you look for when considering companies for Florida funders? Uh, a bunch of things. Uh, you know, we have a whole very rigorous uh, list of uh criteria that we go through a very rigorous process that sometimes founders frankly get a little frustrated with, but that's part of what we think our secret sauce is. We do tremendous due diligence. I would say first and foremost, we look for a founder that we think is, 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 is maybe, maybe to be a little corny here has the right stuff. Right. Cause um, we, you guys know, and everybody knows building businesses is really hard work. It's going to get really tough. Uh, they're going to get punched in the face. They're going to get knocked down. Things aren't going to go well. You know, customers are going to fire them. Employees are going to leave. Do they have the perseverance? Do they have the the um, the the, uh, the tenacity to keep going at this when it gets tough? I mean, Uber almost went out of business like three times. I one of one of the guys I've had on my show, Jason Calacanis, was a one of the original angel investors in in Uber. And I asked him, like, would you why'd you invest in Uber? And he said, you know, um, Travis Kalanick. He's like that guy. I knew. He was going to fight the fight. He wouldn't put up with cap companies. He was going to go up against cap companies, go up against cities. He'd never back down. And that's a good reason to invest. So we look really hard at the founders and, you know, do they have integrity? Can we trust, you know, are they trustworthy? Uh, do they have a vision? Can they communicate that vision? Because they're going to have to build a team and recruit people. And that's your, your all business. And if they can't sell that vision, because nobody comes to work for a startup for the salary, right? Right. You know? <laughs> they come for the stock options. They come to be a part of something. They come because they want to change the world. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, so can they sell that vision? We look very closely at that. And then we look at, you know, what's the problem they're solving? Um, is it, un- you know, did they have something that's unique and special? Right. Or is it just kind of, they're getting into a, a crowded space and they're just another me too product. And right. and so that's a, a few of them. I mean, again, we have a pretty long, long list, but those, those are a few of the major ones. So what else do you like to do when you're not working? Um, I'm a big, I'm a big outdoors person. I live on the water. So I'm always paddle boarding and, 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 uh, uh, cycling outside. I'm, I'm a golfer. I'm a huge golfer, big skier. Um, I, I love yoga and uh, Pilates. I do a lot of that kind of stuff. And, uh, I'm a, I, I love spending time with my family and, and uh, my friends and, and my girlfriend. Obviously too. 
<laughs> so wait, so we love golfing too. Um, what's the best course that you've ever been to? Oh, uh, no, that's a tough question. Uh, I don't know if you know much about golf courses, maybe golf, but uh, I've been a member of Oakmont since 92. And that's arguably, it's usually right, the fifth or sixth best course in the world. We've had more U.S. Opens than any other course. So that's one of my favorites. Um, the best course I ever played. I, I pretty much played most of the top 20 courses in the world, except for Augusta. I have not played Augusta. I would say probably Cypress Point is, uh, would be, you know, the best course. Maybe I, it's, that's such a hard question. And I love Pebble beach too. They're right next to each other. Um, but you know, I was, I was at it's, you know, sand Hills in Nebraska last year, which is a phenomenal place and was a great course. So that, that's a tough one. Yeah. I just have to say, Ash says that we like golfing, but we're not very <laughs> good. We, we go out there to have fun. Oh, you know She's calling us out. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what they say about golf? It's like sex. You don't have to be good at it to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Yeah. We're terrible. You but can, it's, you can edit reason. that out if you want. <laughs> you never know what's going to come out of my mouth. <laughs> it's just, it's so much fun, right? You're outside enjoying the beautiful weather you know, with great people, you know, it's, and now people, people, people deal with music and yeah, you know, that was unheard of even like five years ago. Now, half the time you're out there, somebody's got music going and it's, a, you know, the camaraderie and it's, it's a great sport. Right. Yeah. So and sometimes you're drinking while you do it. Some, some people, so, sometimes. not me ever, but I've heard, I've heard <laughs> people <here>. do that. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> Um, so going into some rapid fire questions, these are like, just first thing that comes to your mind in a sentence or two or less. Um, <laughs> so what's your best advice on organizing? Make lists okay. every day. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I like it too. Um, so you, we talked about big mistakes, um, and you, you talked about it, you mentioned it, like, you know, when you started your first company and making a lot of mistakes, what's one mistake that you felt like, oh, I learned a lot from that. Can you, can you think of like one? Oh God, there were so many of them. Uh, the one mistake, um, the one mistake that I, that took me too long to learn was really um, how to become a good manager. So there's a lot of mistakes that went into that, but I was a horrible manager when at a young age, I was managing a lot of people. So I'm giving myself a little bit of a break there, but I was horrible. And I treated people, I was way too hard on people. And I didn't, I didn't understand, you know, what motivated people and how to be empathetic. And it took, took me way too long to figure that out, but I made a lot of mistakes and, and, and I figured out that, you know, people left me and good people. And, right. you know, I learned, I, I'd say that was the biggest thing is when I'd lost good people. And then I, I, I think the one thing i pretty decent at is, is not always blaming the other person and kind of owning it. And that'd be like, well, I lost this really good person. Why did that happen? I know this is a lot more in the sense. No, no, this is good. And then, you know, it'd be like, you know, self-reflective is, you know, maybe it was, you know, what's the number one reason people leave a job is they fire their manager. Right. So I'm losing people whose fault is it, you know? So started reflecting on that. And yeah, I think that's a really good, um, insight because I don't think we've had that. Well, I mean, we haven't asked everybody this question, but it's really good insight. I mean, having empathy um, is not something that you're taught really, right? When you're kind of creating companies and trying to go and move and, you know, move mountains and do things. Yeah. And on a personal level, I grew up in a, a very, um, my, my parents were very hardworking people. We had, they had four kids. I mean, they were brutal. They were tough on us kids. And, and I, I, I value that. I mean, it, 
made me who I am today. But there was, you know, so that's how I, that's all I knew about management was how I, you know, so I, so I was tough on my people, but you know, you, you, you just can't do that. Right. And just do that. You can be tough and have high expectations, but you also have to be empathetic and understand what they're looking for, what motivates them and how everybody's different and different people are motivated by different things. Right. Yeah. What do you feel is the secret to success? Um, I think it's what we were just talking about. Find what you love to do your passion and do that. And because success to me is not money. I mean, it's nice to have money, but success to me is, you know, are you fulfilled? You love what you're doing. Do you feel good? Are you helping people? Do you feel good about what you're doing? Um, you know, there's a lot of different elements to success, but to me, that's a professional standpoint. What I would say. Yeah. We got into a lot of good stuff today. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Love what you all are doing, uh, both with your podcast and with your company, Next Path. And I'm sure you're going to be wildly successful. It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, we have fun. Yeah, we have like we have a blast. That's very obvious. <laughs> That's very obvious. I love it. Well, thank you, Tom, and thank you to Next Path for all of your support. Yes, and until next time, live bold and boss up. Radio Influence strives to bring you excellence in podcasting. We work with radio personalities like Ian Beckles, news and political pundits like independent journalists Frank and Tracy Beans, experts from the sports world like veteran football scout and coach Chris Landry, pro wrestling personality David Penzer, MMA experts Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan, and strength and conditioning coach Jeff Crushell. If you're looking for food, sports, music, entertainment, politics, no matter the topic, Radio Influence has something for everyone. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.